0: Welcome to the Dripping in Black Podcast, where we celebrate Black excellence throughout the Black diaspora. Here's your host, David V. Lewis.
1: What's up, good people all across the world? This is the Dripping in Black Podcast. I am your host, David V. Lewis. And per usual, we have another fantastic guest. This time, we have two guests. (laughs) And the guest goes by the name of Janelle and Adam Spencer. Janelle and Adam, say hello to the world. Hey, are you guys doing?
2: Hi,
0: guys. How are you? (laughs) Thanks
1: for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited. Uh, It took us a while to get you two together and get get you on. Um, We'll talk about how it came about. Um, So it's, it's a great story. I'm excited for our audience to hear it. And but we always begin our podcast with a simple but not too simple question of who are you, and so I'm going to ask it this way. I'll, I'll start with you, Janelle. When I say who is Janelle Spencer, what would be your response?
0: Janelle Spencer. I am a a wife, a mother of seven. I am owner of the Breakfast Club in Troy and i am also the floor manager as well so i hold a lot of hats <laughs>
1: okay. what uh where did you where were you born and raised
0: i was born in detroit michigan mm-hmm. Left for about 8 years once i turned 21 went to atlanta mm-hmm. atlanta and made my way back home where i met my husband at and we've been married almost a year
1: okay all right and so what what schools did you attend here
0: I went to Davis Aerospace, but I graduated from Detroit's Academy of Arts and Sciences.
2: Okay. Okay. I at college at Saginaw University in Saginaw,
0: Michigan for a while.
1: Okay. All right. If I said, who is Adam Spencer, what would you say? I would say, I am a father,
3: business entrepreneur, and chef.
1: Mm-hmm. And Adam, same questions. Where are you? From where you born and raised? Oh, uh, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Never left. Okay. And uh what schools did you attend? Uh
3: for high school I attended Detroit Northern High and I I went to Wayne State.
1: Okay. Wayne State. All right. I'm curious, how did you all come to meet each other?
0: <laughs> we actually met through my best friend and his cousin. They were dating at the time, and he mm-hmm. was coming over to do a private cooking um event for them and my friend invited me over and I couldn't make it that day I had to work or something so when I came over the next day she's like you gotta meet my boyfriend's cousin. like (laughs) like he is your type like you guys should meet so uh she hooked us up on Instagram we went on a date and it was just it was up from there (laughs) yeah all right inseparable sense
1: janelle and adam spencer uh i ran into janelle first Uh, i was out at the breakfast club in troy and uh janelle is like she said the head manager she kind of runs things when you walk in you see her face and uh we just got into a conversation ultimately she ended up telling us that uh she was the owner there and i said oh (laughs) We need to have you come on to the podcast. Uh, you know, we need stories like yours on our podcast. And so we kind of talked and went back and forth with emails. Some emails got sent to the same person by the, by the <laughs> sender. We won't mention any names, Janelle. I'm
0: not and, savvy with, with that type <laughs> of stuff.
1: <laughs> but eventually we got you all on and we're so happy. So let's, let's get started. So The Breakfast Club, how did that come about?
3: Um, breakfast club actually been around probably like the last 30 years, Mm -hmm. you know, owner, I used to work with her when I was in my early twenties while I was in Mm -hmm. still, um, we parted ways probably about four years ago. She reached out to me, actually Mm -hmm. interested in opening one. Um, she came and helped set it up, got everything going. She retired. I took over from there.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm digging for details. You know, I'm thinking about the audience. I'm thinking about a young, young guy or young couple aspiring to open a business, um, a breakfast club or something like that. What are, what are some of the first steps that they need to take?
3: Um, I would say some of the first step is getting a business plan together. Knowing okay. audience and who you want to go after and not just say, I want to serve everybody. That's not really realistic. You mm-hmm. want your audience down to a specific demographic so you know what you're going after and you're But come up with a business plan of within like five years, how far you want to see yourself? Where do you start off at? What you need to start with? You know what type of foods you want to serve? What area? Are you- mm-hmm. So jot all these things down and kind of get an idea of you know what direction you want to go in before you even start
1: looking for a business or a building
3: or anything like that.
2: Yeah.
1: So you had all of that set while you were you were working for the Breakfast Club. You said I I worked when I was in my early twenties. Um, uh-huh. five now.
3: So, the process, we we started looking for a location. When we first started, we got together and decided we wanted to do it. We looked for a location, and it was kind of mm-hmm. find one that best suited our need as far as size, um, busy traffic area, high traffic area, and the type of, uh, basically, what city we wanted to be
2: in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so you ended up in Troy. That's that's really interesting.
3: Yeah, ended up in Troy. We, a couple of locations we've seen in uh, West Bloomfield, Sterling Heights. but We found mm-hmm. this. Be good. We're um Big Beaver and uh, Rochester Road. And it's a pretty good high traffic area. Nothing else around here, really, you know, breakfast-wise. So that's a big thing, too, to scope out your yeah. competition before you do anything.
2: Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was, I was going to say, um, you definitely need to, when you figure out what area you're going to be in, because for us, like over here, our prices are a lot higher than they would be if we were in the city. just because of the fact that we're in Troy and it's a
2: different mm-hmm.
0: demographic over here. So mm-hmm. another thing that you should think about when you're thinking about a restaurant a location is if it's going to accommodate the type of prices that you want to have. Because so, we could yeah. be in Detroit <laughs> mm-hmm. what we charge in Troy. So mm-hmm. that plays a part. Too.
1: Yeah, I, I would say there's a business side to that as well, though. Uh, I would imagine there's a, a, a few more steps that you have to go through to get that building in Troy as opposed to a building in Detroit as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a
3: lot stricter requirements from the city and uh, getting an approval from the city. You have to get approval for to have your restaurant here. If they don't want it here, they have to agree on it. If they don't want your restaurant here or your brand here. You next, you're off to the next location. So you have to get an approval from the health department first. The city has to agree to it. It's a lot of ins and outs.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like you were pretty well prepared for this opportunity before the opportunity presented itself.
3: Yeah, I would say so. Um, I had a couple of other businesses I started mm-hmm. that helped me kind of got me to where I'm at now,
2: my mm-hmm.
1: right, mindset and everything. Yeah, I think that's that's a, that's a, what I want to talk about because whenever I get business owners and entrepreneurs on. I like to talk about that mindset, right? You know, where do you get that from to decide? um, You know, I mean, are you from wealth? Let's start with that.
2: No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. all. That's that's (laughs) a whole
3: different thing. If
1: you were born,
2: no, not
3: at all. It's more so the freedom. It's not because when you're an entrepreneur, it's it's not hand over fist money. I can make a nine to five, but it's the time, the freedom I have, my leisurely freedom, enjoy my life how I'm pleased versus. I'm going for someone else and, you know, I may make more, but I'm under their thumb as far as timelines. Indeed.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's the motivation for us anyway, behind wanting to be entrepreneurs and having our own thing going on, because it's just like, before the breakfast club, I had a separate business as well. So for us, it's all about being able to allot our time to what we wanted, to, not being like, okay, well, we have this <laughs> this nine to five, I got to be to work, yeah, eight o'clock on Monday morning. So, but I will say, I think a big misconception that a lot of entrepreneurs have is that they'll have a lot more free time when you have your own business. Yeah. I think it's much more challenging than working a nine to five because you have to make sure... Everything is everything. I mean, we have some crazy stories sometimes. It'll be three in the morning. We land down in bed. The alarm system go off because the power didn't went out. And we got $6,000 worth of food in a a walk-in. We got to figure out what to do with it. We printed the, you know, the power come back on. So it's just, it's so many different obstacles, especially during a pandemic. Like right now, is things are looking up but that pandemic has been crazy
1: yeah Yeah, so oh man i got uh, a few questions with regards to that but i still want to get dig a little deeper about this entrepreneurial spirit so both of you were business owners before you got to this business yeah when did that light bulb switch for you to say i want to own my own business had you had you worked? Uh, well, you said you worked for Breakfast Club in your 20s. So you had worked a yeah. nine to five. Had you worked a nine to f- five as well, Janelle?
0: No. I... <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: OK, so talk about that. Talk about uh, that, that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset. Where, where did it come from? When did you know you had it and when did you start acting on it?
0: OK, for me, I grew up in a very poor area, Harper and Van Dyke. It was not a whole lot.
2: You started? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so my my dad, he's worked at Chrysler since he was twenty. I have like super young parents. So I grew up just watching him six, seven days a week at work. He he never could spend a lot of quality time with us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So from that I knew I never really wanted to work for anybody and I always wanted to be able to enjoy my life. So when I hit eighteen and I went off to college, even college thing for me was kind of hard because my my mom was single and at the time and she was scraping up money to send me to school and I was just in college and I'm like this ain't it I, I can't yeah. off this like I, I want to start my life now I want money now so I went to massage school first and yeah. got my massage license I ventured off to Atlanta I had a few friends from college that lived in Atlanta so I was I literally packed my entire car up with $300 in my pocket. And I was like, I'm going to try Atlanta out. And didn't uh-huh. work for me. So I went to Atlanta. I got 150 business cards made for $39.99. I remember that. <laughs> that was yeah. And I just went to the mall and different places. And I just passed them out. I was a big partier at the time. So I would go to the clubs. And in Atlanta is always celebrities everywhere. And uh-huh. I I wanted to work with a lot of, I wanted to work with celebrities simply
2: because
0: they would pay the prices that I wanted to charge.
2: Yeah.
0: So I met a couple celebrities. The first one I ever gave a massage to was Nick Cannon. And then from there, it was kind of word of mouth. They would let their friends know and everything, things like that.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I did really good in that. And I knew I never wanted to work in a spa because I felt like I made way more just working for myself. I was making like $150 an hour, not doing much when I would work in a spa and make like $25 an hour so um, I did that and when I got pregnant with my daughter is what made me decide I wanted to move back home to Detroit because I wanted that support system I wanted to be around family and it would be a lot easier than what I was doing because a lot of my clients are so demanding you know how celebrities are they call you like I want you here in 30 minutes and I'm like Mm "When I gotta get a babysitter I gotta figure out so for me it was a lot easier to come home and figure something out. So when I came home, you know how Detroit is. They, they weren't paying on prices I was trying to charge.
2: So yeah. I had
0: to come up with something different. And that's when I ventured out and I started my waste management company. Okay. Um. I, I started doing that. And then a pandemic hit, and um, that is that's around the time we got married. And he bought his partner out because he did, he did have a partner at the restaurant. He bought his partner out, and when he bought his partner out, um, he basically asked me to come in and help him run in front of the house.
2: Okay.
0: So I jumped into that. I didn't think I was going to jump in as deep as I as I did, but I'm in there now.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow. Right. That's that's that's, where it that's, went that's me. quite. That's quite the story there, um you so yeah you you had a I would say somewhat sounds like a thriving massage business, and then you gave it up basically to come back home,
0: yeah, I had a that the lifestyle change with having a kid, it was just so different, and it was yeah. and then, and I just wanted I was missing home, I just wanted to be around family, but I knew I had to come up with something before I came home. I didn't just want to come home. Yeah. Not be doing anything, and I knew those nine to fives wasn't really up <laughs> in my alley, so I was like, Okay, I gotta think of something. So then, a waste management thing came
1: into play for me, yeah. And that's that's a whole nother podcast, just trying to figure out how you did that. Um, yeah. <laughs> again, I'm kind of curious about the details because if somebody's watching, okay, so you got a waste management job, okay, well, I mean, a uh, uh, business, you know, saying that is still not telling anybody how that came about, but. Yeah, we'll be here forever if I go into yeah. detail, detail about, <laughs> about all of that, you know. But it's so interesting to me that so you 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 refuse to do a nine to five, you and instead, instead uh bet on yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. That I could figure it out, and you had a support system with your family. Uh, I'm sure Adam is happy about your massage experience, though. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm yes. Sure, that's a that's a plus for you, Adam. Yeah, it yeah is. I keep
0: telling the man I'm retired. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> All right,
1: so Adam, in your twenties, you were working for the Breakfast Club. Yeah, I was in school. I was in a
3: uh, for, um, for law, so that was I wasn't thinking about cooking or anything. That was just a job to have. Wow. In college. Okay. So I wanted to be a lawyer. So this is my backup plan, technically. Okay. As a paralegal for four years. Okay. Wow. And uh, said, "Well, I've been cooking all this time. Let me, you know, dive into this a little bit more." And mm-hmm. I fell in love with it.
2: Okay.
1: What's up with the paralegal stuff now? Uh, nothing. I haven't. Done, <laughs> I haven't done it. <laughs> you See, turned the page I'll, on that, huh?
3: Yeah. I I think about it sometimes. Where I'd be now if I would have kept going with it, but it was just mm-hmm. bankruptcy law firm. So the extremely boring. Mm -hmm. They pay well. Mm -hmm. So it was more
1: so time stamp it for me. So you're in the 20s, you're going to school, you Uh become a paralegal. When does that end and when does this entrepreneurial pursuit begin? Um
3: I would say probably about 23. I started working as a paralegal.
1: Okay. What what year is that?
3: Oh, That's the hardest questions. Um, (laughs) 34. So 2008, nine. Okay, that's right. Yeah, 2008 or nine.
2: Okay,
3: did that for about four years. Um, just didn't like it. Just wasn't happy with it. And I Mm -hmm. need to go to law school as a paralegal to become a lawyer. And Mm it, bottom fell out. I just wasn't happy with it.
1: Man, y'all are y'all dope to me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Y'all yeah. dope to me uh to to have the courage to to stand on your own and go for it. Um I think that's the dopest part. And then y'all meet each other. So it's a kindred spirit there, right?
0: Yeah, right. definitely. <laughs> um I would say Adam is he is a little bit modest he, as you tell. he don't talk a whole lot, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> He not- cooking um what do you call that like line cooking yeah yeah line cooking but ventured off before the restaurant as his own thing um and established his catering
2: company okay
0: that's where you got a lot of your experience from with the restaurant
3: industry right um after working in a couple of as a line cook you know a partner of mine started a catering company Mm. Off very well um and that helped me build the business i'm at now because it I can do that at my own pace as far as, okay, learning from my mistakes as far as, okay, Mm. should I purchase all this at once or should I wait to purchase these things as I need them? So I learned a lot from just trial and error during those times.
2: Yeah.
1: So the Black-owned Breakfast Club in Troy, right? And uh, I want to get into this because when we hear Black-owned, it has a lot of uh, baggage with it, right? Um, We try to support our own, but sometimes the, uh, you know, they want us to do a lot of extra just to support them. When I get to the Breakfast Club in Troy, though, again, it didn't feel like it was Black-owned, if you will. You know, it just felt like a, a restaurant. It was a good restaurant experience. Like I said, Janelle's at the front front door. She's greeting you. She's smiling. Uh, the, the staff is pleasant. Uh, what's your take on this Black-owned, Black-owned business? <laughs> <All>
2: right. <laughs>
0: You know, I've been wanting to get into this for so a <laughs> um, When I started taking over the front of the house for my husband, um, a lot of our customers did not know that it was Black-owned. And we have a lot of regulars. I think um, I actually really appreciate our regulars because they come two, three times a week. Yeah. And uh, we were kind of in disagreement with things like, should we – should we update our Yelp page and save it as, you know how that they have the Black-owned section? And my husband's like, uh-uh. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I kinda wanna keep it as is because you don't really, you know how a lot of places that are Black-owned, you walk in and you know everything yeah. black You <laughs> kinda just sell. And he he likes the the universal look of everything. Yes. For him, he doesn't necessarily wanna um, ice out a particular group of people or anything like that. He wants, you know, it to be universal. But then on the other hand, with me dealing with the front of the house and dealing with a lot of... I would say I've had a lot of racist incidents up here. Um, After a while, I was telling him, I said, no, listen, babe, we gonna have to start telling people this is black on, and we not going for (laughs) (laughs) the ignorance. Because I've had people sit at the table and call me over and um, especially during the pandemic, when we were masked and I would have my mask on, they would call me over and be like, hey, can we have somebody different serve our drinks? Because the busboy bought our drinks over and we just didn't really want him touching our drinks. I mind you, my busboy, he's black. He has yeah. to the bag. And I'm like, you don't want him touching it. And they're like, no, we don't want him touching our drinks. Can somebody else bring it? And I'm like, well, I'm black. I'm the owner. My husband is back there cooking it up. He's the owner. So I think you might want to find somewhere else. To... Mm. So I um, I think over the time, over maybe like the course of the summer, things have started to change a little bit mm-hmm. know that we are Black-owned, but we don't really like that to be our staple. Yeah, We want people to just be like, oh, we got to come there because it's, it's a Black um, restaurant. And then my take on a lot of Black-owned businesses I always want to support. Like, I I feel like as the community, we definitely need to support each other as much as possible. But um, I feel like we need to hold ourselves and Black-owned businesses accountable um, for their customer service, for their approach, for how they deal with people, handle situations. i I've had numerous incidents where I've tried to support Black-owned boutiques online and things don't come. He was mad at me a few months ago. <laughs> I called myself one to try a wig. Like, <laughs> he ordered me a $325 wig. Never came. <laughs> I think <laughs> he was fighting with PayPal about
1: that. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, and I'm emailing a girl, reaching out, no response, no nothing. They'll yeah. see you from the page before they deal with the issue or... I've used a couple Black-owned vendors for, uh, we do private events here as well at the restaurant. So I've used a couple Black-owned vendors. I give them a time slot. They get here 25 minutes before my event to set up their balloons and everything. And then they're looking at you crazy if you got the slightest bit of attitude because they want to know what your problem is because at least they got here. <laughs> so I, I do feel like a lot of Black-owned businesses need to start holding themselves to a higher standard And you don't, you may get that customer base because you are Black-owned and people want to support, but you won't get that, you won't get that reoccurring customer base. You won't get those regulars or anything like that. And I think that that's that's part of the value that a lot of businesses are missing. They feel like as long as I can make a dollar, it's good, but it's like you won't get any longevity in your business if customer service is not a one if yeah. you're not handling people's problems accordingly, if you're ignoring people, just taking their money. So, I think yeah. this was always frustrated me the most with a lot of yeah. businesses. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, man, you said a mouthful. Um, our experiences from just you know going to hang out, going to eat somewhere, to even with dripping in black, you know, trying to support black-owned businesses. We, we run a, we ran a myriad of experiences with that. And, you know, of course, we've been in restaurants where, you know, like you said, if the if the if the treatment is bad, you got me there that one time, but I'm not coming back. You know, there's there's a couple of restaurants I can think of. I won't mention at the top of my head that we have not been back uh, to because of the experience that we had there. Uh, Not the food, Mm -hmm. not the not even the ambiance, if you will. But the 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 treatment is like, okay no, we're not coming back here because we don't have to accept that. Yeah. So let's, let's let's talk a little bit about if I've never been to the breakfast club, what, is, what am I getting when I walk in?
3: Um, you can expect, basically, just th- think of having breakfast or brunch at your grandmother's house. It's more intimate, um, more home feel, but more of an upscale breakfast though. So you, we have a traditional breakfast, you know, scrambled eggs and over meat, yeah. over easy eggs. But we do a little twist sometimes. We do a seafood bowl. With lobster crab and uh, salmon, smoked salmon in it. So we do more upscale breakfast, but it still has the homey feel.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I it's know I
0: have a family atmosphere as well. Uh, you know, you go to a lot of restaurants where it's not super kid friendly, you don't bring your kids, or <laughs> they don't necessarily have a kid me you or anything like that. So it's it's definitely family oriented in here. Um, We're walking around, checking on you, making sure that everything's good. I'm always on my servers about keeping a smile on that face, rectifying people's issues. And so we're really big on that. And then him in the back, he is definitely, um, I tell a lot of people, I try not to hate on the other breakfast clubs. But I said, we got a chef-chef in here. (laughs) He be back there throwing flames. I'm like, babe, what you doing? it's definitely a good experience
1: being here <laughs> okay yeah a uh, chef chef <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah uh I know from my experience com- coming to you all's uh particular establishment I do I did know the a young black males you know so that's is that intentional as well oh
0: yeah yeah um for us we have a big family so uh-huh. it tells a, a lot of little cousins. <laughs> we have a a lot of just us. We have seven kids.
2: Uh-huh.
0: This is twenty. So usually you'll catch our sons in here busting the tables and things like that. We really just want to teach them work ethic and how to work hard for things. That they get so mad. They like we want a video game. Okay, come in Saturday. Check the schedule. <laughs> you can come video game. And and we just want to give them an opportunity, too, especially for like a lot of my little cousins that I have come in and work. Um, They're still in the trenches, in Harper and Van Dyke, in the trenches. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I just like to get them out the environment and just see something new, see different people People interact with other races and other people outside the norm that they would interact with. So we we are really big on that.
1: Um, Yeah, that's that's huge uh i'm i'm an educator by trade and and to me that's the greatest gift you can give a young person it's the exposure to other lifestyles and the potential that's out there because a lot of times you know like you said if you're in the trenches that's what you think life is Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know and it's much more to life than that right
0: all right yeah definitely and then just the um the direction the world is going in now um Everybody is becoming an entrepreneur like that's That's the thing to do to have your own yeah. business, whether you're a kid in this a lemonade stand or whatever it is. So I've told my husband a million times that I think they need to make business business one on one a part of the school curriculum because kids yeah. know how to fill out documents and, you know, how to fill out bank accounts and how to get that stuff going. That needs to be taught.
1: Well, first, the first thing we have to do in our community is teach our kids to value education.
0: Yeah. Because we could have
1: a business one-on-one class in there. And if the kids aren't going to come in with the right intention, then it'll be missed.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: because a lot of people say, well, they should teach, uh, what is it, financial literacy. Well, actually, if you, if you paid attention in your econ class, there is a financial literacy portion that we teach, (laughs) but you probably (laughs) missed it. Because <laughs>
2: right.
1: know, boring, I'm not into it. All of that, right? And so, I think for our community, Black community specifically, we have to figure out a way to tap into our kids and making them value education. Really, value learning. Yeah, you know, you can learn anywhere. So just to just to learn something is a, is a value, right? Yeah, if we can get exactly. that into our communities, then we can put a business one on one in there, and those kids will actually benefit from it. Sorry, I had to. No, no. Look,
0: you coming from the teacher point of view? I, I definitely, get. I definitely get. I just see like my sons; they'll be on on the internet taking the the gym shoes and reselling them, and just doing different things. And we try to teach them like that. That's the business. Like you know, you can take that and you could grow with it. And you know, it's it's different. It, it's different avenues when it comes to business. It's not just about owning this or owning that. It's it's just about taking your niche and, you know, making something out of it.
2: Yeah. All right.
1: So this is a question for both of you all. You all have the breakfast club. You got it free and clear as your ownership. You have it at a level right now. But the next level for it, what does that look like? Um, I would say next level for it would be
3: self-sustainable. Where I'm more hands off, that was mm-hmm. <laughs> fully staffed. Customer service is still the same. Doesn't drop down when I'm not here. Doesn't change anything. Doesn't change, you know nothing changes.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: More so, let it run itself.
1: Okay. All right. So I always use that as a setup. So we have an audience that's growing, and you have you have a platform here to to talk to the audience. What can the audience do tangibly to support you? Get into that next level, what can somebody out there provide for you to get you there? I would say, come in, give us a try. Come
3: in, dine out. You know, have a breakfast. Tell us how it is. The best thing you can do is give us uh comments on your service, and we can do better. How we can change or mm. what you like? What did you like? Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Breakfast Club Troy. Website breakfastclubtroy dot com. Mm. Book the same name, Breakfast Club Troy. But definitely
1: just stop in and uh it was your feedback on everything mm-hmm. janelle same question taking it to the next level we have an audience how can they come in and support you to that next level he wants to be more hands-off i think you would love for him to be more hands-off Yes,
2: yes. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: what can our audience <laughs> do to support you to get there
0: i think for me i'm big on reviews So you come in, if you enjoy it, just write a quick review on Yup, let people know, you know, what it was that you ordered, did you really like, what did you enjoy about it the most. I think reviews are like very helpful because I know for me, I I Yup everything before I go anywhere. (laughs) And and for me, that's always the the determining factor if I'm going to try it or not. Mm -hmm. If it's too many bad reviews or, you know, so that for me, and just word of mouth, just continue to let people know, like... Oh, you're you going to breakfast? You should try the breakfast club. And it's Black on. <laughs> yeah. Support. Definitely
1: yeah. support us. Okay. I got you. So ultimately, more people coming in, more people coming to see you will put you in a position to get to that next level.
0: Yes. Create yes. more
3: consistency as far as customers, you know, customer service, like I said, just letting us know, give us feedback so we can see yeah. issues that we have and we can stop issues from occurring that may, you know, may happen in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so dripping the black audience, jump on it. Give them the exact location, real quick. Uh, Three six seven two Rochester Road. It is
3: north of Big Beaver. Yeah, on the east side of uh, Rochester Road.
1: Yeah, come on out and, and support them, and have a good time. The food is delicious. The experience is great, uh, and black on as they said, but they cater to everybody, right? So yeah. come on out and, and have a good time and. You know, support these this young couple as they make their foray through the entrepreneurial world. All right, y'all ready for the major question? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I I think I'm gonna have to do this differently as well. I have to do one by one. I think I'm gonna ask Adam first. <laughs> all right, this is the the last question that we ask all of our guests. So you'll get a preview, Janelle, when I ask Adam. Adam, have you ever been on the cover of a magazine?
3: No, I have not. And it's funny you said that. I was talking to my son about my uh, goals I set when I was in my early 20s.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that was one of them. That's the only one I didn't do was that I was probably like 24, but that was a goal of mine at the time. So, no- Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, very. At the time I was younger, <laughs> so
1: superficial goals, but I reached everything else but that one. For what reason would you, what, what reason at that age did you anticipate being on the cover of a magazine?
3: I don't know. I just did my list of goals because <laughs> I was just, on there. <laughs> yeah, I just, it could have been for anything. It's I just me. want, it's that's me. one of the things I want to do.
1: So. <laughs> All right. Janelle, same question. Have you ever been on the cover of a magazine?
0: No, I have not. And I've never thought about it either simply because I hate taking pictures.
2: So. What?
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I don't think I'm very photogenic. You always talk about my big head. <laughs> so, yeah, no, <laughs> I have not
1: okay well one of the things we do here at the dripping in black podcast is we aim to please so each and every guest get placed on the dripping and black magazine cover my producer sean smith is going to show you yours
2: <laughs> all
1: right and that is not just uh for the episode but it's also a parting gift we will get thank that you. printed out and laminated and sent out to you
2: as a thank you for
1: coming that. on to our podcast.
0: <laughs> thank you so much. Thank I love you. that. Yeah.
1: So if you look over my shoulders, you see quite a few of our guests from our first season. Aww. And I'm a little slow on getting the second season <laughs> guests up there, but I got to complete my <laughs> wall of fame back there. I got two guests up here that I haven't got yet, uh, Barack and Michelle, so... Y'all keep uh, y'all y'all spread that word.
0: Definitely will. Definitely will.
1: (laughs) They are definitely dripping in black, so we need them on here. All right,
0: thank
1: you. (laughs) We want to thank Janelle and Adam Spencer for coming out. Give the uh, social media one more time, just to make sure everybody's got it. uh,
3: Instagram and Facebook, Breakfast Club Troy.
1: Yeah, Breakfast Club Troy. Me
3: personally at Chef Adam Spencer. Same thing, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, give me the hours. Uh, we are open from 8 to 1, Monday through
1: Friday, Saturday and Sunday, 8 to 2. Yeah. All right. Any shout-outs yeah. you want to give before we close out?
0: Um. Yeah. To God. I'm definitely a God-fearing woman, and I just thank him every day for even putting us in a position to be able to run our own businesses and come out on top. So definitely
2: to God. Yeah. yeah
1: shout out to god all right thanks again to janelle and adam spencer who will ask our audience to hang on for the final segment the last drip but thanks to you thank you all for coming out
2: thank, thank you, you. <laughs> up next the last drip but first a message from anchor
1: A Drippin' in Black thanks to Adam and Janelle Spencer and to our audience. The next time that you are planning a breakfast outing, I highly recommend The Breakfast Club in Troy. And say hello to Janelle and Adam for me when you go out there. All right, of course, now we have reached the final segment of our podcast called The Last Drip. The Last Drip is the last opportunity for us to squeeze in a bit more of Black excellence for you. In this final segment, we highlight a common thread between our guest and our vast and rich African-American history. For this episode, we place our focus on the story of Albert and Margaret Robinson. Albert Robinson was born into enslavement in Missouri in 1845. In the 1860s, after the Civil War and the passage of the 13th Amendment officially abolishing slavery, Albert would move to San Diego, California. In 1886, Robinson was living in Julian, a small town in San Diego County where he worked as a cook. That year, he met and married San Diego native Margaret Tall. As a wedding present, Margaret's parents granted the couple land in Julian. Soon after, the Robinsons opened the restaurant and bakery on that land. They named it Robinson Restaurant and Bakery. In 1897, the Robinsons began construction to replace the restaurant and bakery with a hotel. By the end of that year, Hotel Robinson was up and running. Equipped with 14 guest rooms, a full kitchen, dining room, and a parlor room, Hotel Robinson soon became famous for its hospitality and for the food that was served at the restaurant within. After her husband's passing in 1915, Margaret continued to own and operate the hotel until she sold it in 1921. Margaret sold it for $1,500, which is the equivalent of just over $20,000 in today's money. Hotel Robinson was later renamed the Julian Hotel, and it is now listed in the National Register of Historic Places, in Washington, D.C., as well as the state of California point of historical interest. Like today's guests, Adam and Janelle Spencer, Albert and Margaret Robinson thrived as a couple who worked alongside one another in business. And this is why they are this episode's last drip. For more on Albert and Margaret Robinson, check out sites.sandiego.edu HMDB.org, JulianHotel.com, and blackpass.org My thanks to all of these websites for the knowledge. Again, when I do the last trip, it is a tremendous joy because I get to look up Black history. And for this one, it was a real treat. This was a story that I didn't know about. And uh, all I got to say about is our history is our history is rich, rich. All right. A friendly reminder that the DIBK Drip Shop is open. Go to DIBKDripShop.com to get the latest Drippin' in Black merch and all the other merch under the Drippin' in Black Productions umbrella. And as always, a huge thanks to our listeners, viewers, supporters, and subscribers. And a big shout out to the best podcast producer in the game, sean smith aka s squared and until next time be kind be loving and be excellent on purpose it is a choice
2: You have just experienced a Dripping in Black production.